Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. The following message was originally recorded on October 17th, 2021. It is by Tim Parker, entitled, Who Are You? And so we're blessed that you're here this morning, and we thank you for it. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, this morning to Ephesians 1. We do a lot of reading today, and I hope you catch up. And if you don't, and you just want to listen, that's fine. You do not need to read along. We encourage you always to read at home, okay? No matter. But let's just start here today. Ephesians 1. And we're going to read 1 through 23. So it's a bit lengthy. That's okay. I love to read the word. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints, that's us, who are at Milton, Delaware, and Sussex County, and even some here from Pennsylvania and Maryland today. Amen. Amen. At Ephesus, and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons, daughters, through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. I love that. The kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which we freely bestow, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. That means God in his kind intention, which he purposed in Jesus. With a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard 
of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, that's us, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now that's enough of a sermon. We can stop there. You could go home and if you know and live by this, then you'll be just fine. Amen? But turn with me to one more place. I would like you to... Well, in fact, let's skip down in chapter 2 to verse 4 and we'll read 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing richness of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John 14, we're going to read 7 through 18. It says this. If you had known me, and this is Jesus, and they have asked him, some questions, as they always do. We always have questions, and we're asking him questions. And he's talking about going to prepare a place. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going up in verse 5. But Jesus said, I am the way. Let's start at 6 anyway. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, otherwise believe because of the works themselves. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. In verse 18, he says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, God. Lord, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. God, if we would only read it and, and listen to you, Lord God, then we have all we need. And so, Lord, we bless you this morning and give you thanks that we're able to gather here this morning and we're able to meet here, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that you manifest yourself here and that you be in our hearts. Holy Spirit, fill everyone here today that they may know you and know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, whether we like it or not, we have an enemy of our soul. Satan's desire is to destroy what God intends us to be. Let me say it again. Satan's desire is to destroy what God intends us to be. And the largest method he uses to do this is to steal our identity. If he can steal our identity, he can succeed at destroying who or what God intends us to be. There's several ways he does this. One is the opinion of others. Some reason we live a life that we put a lot more value in the opinions of others than we should. And even when we're children, our parents may have mistakenly planted seeds and may have called us a name or told us that we were something. And then we began to believe that. Or maybe in school, some friends or so-called friends maybe said some things about us and we began to believe that. Or even as adults, your employer may be saying something about you and you begin to believe what he's saying about you. We put a lot of value in the opinions of others. Another way is through hurt and pain. So things that we've been through in our life, they sometimes talk to us. If we've been through a very tragic thing in our life, the enemy uses it and begins to speak to it, that it was our fault or that we were to blame and then we carry shame and then we carry all the guilt from it and we listen to that pain and that hurt and sometimes it speaks to us. Another way is he uses the media to tell us what we are. And I'm not just talking about the fake news media, there's enough of that, but the social media, or even the media from a magazine that you open and look at and tells you that you ought to be as beautiful as that person or that you should be like this person or that you shouldn't be like that person. And there's all kinds of media that surround us. Certainly, social media will prove to be a work of the enemy, I believe. I don't think it's horrible to be on Facebook, but we have to guard our hearts as we communicate with each other through that media. But the fake news and the other media, there's nothing good about that. I'm reminded of a story of Leonard Ravenhill going to see Smith Wigglesworth, and he knocks on his door, and he's a young minister at that time, and this is in England, and he comes to the door, and it's raining, and he's got an umbrella, and he takes his newspaper, and he's stuck it under his arm, and he comes and knocks on the big knocker of Smith Witherspoon's door, and the door opens, and he stands there, and he says, who are you? He said, I'm Leonard Ravenhill, and he said, I came to see you. I would like to talk to you, and he says, well, you can come in, 
but those lies cannot. And he didn't know what he was talking about at first, and he pointed to the newspaper underneath his arm, and he said, you can leave that outside and you may enter. And he goes in, and it's a wonderful story where he gets blessed by him, and Smith Wigglesworth puts his hands on his head, and he's taller than Leonard, and as he's crying, his tears are rolling down on Leonard's head. What a blessing. But he knew the media is a liar. He himself puts thoughts in our mind. Satan is, is excellent at this. That's his really his only weapon, is to tell us things and to speak to us. He can't really do anything, but he can speak to us and get us to do some horrible things. I'm not excusing our behavior, but there's an enemy of our soul. He wants to destroy you and the purpose that you have for God. Amen. God puts thoughts in our mind also, though. This is the good news. In fact, it's said that when God puts thoughts in our heads, it's called inspiration. When Satan puts thoughts in your head, it's called temptation. The Lord himself was tempted as he come out of the wilderness. And here's what he tempted him with. He tempted him with a lot of stuff, but he tempted him with his identity. He said, if you are the son of God, but Jesus being the smart, intelligent Holy Spirit filled at that moment, man of God, God himself said, no, sir, you do not determine my identity. My father determines my identity. Because here's the news, Satan is a liar. John 8, says this, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And that was Jesus talking. And when he says that Satan was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus should know because he was and is the beginning. Amen? You see, one of the ways Satan wins is by getting, to you, repeat, getting you to repeat his lies also. And so when he speaks to you about who you are and tries to tell you who you are, he can just hit the autoplay button. And you begin to spin that record in your head and you begin to hear things that you ought not hear. And he's speaking and he's speaking long after he's left that seed. And that's another way that he gets to us. He's the father of lies. It's one thing for you to call, it's one thing for him to call you something it's another thing when he can get you to repeat it over and over again. Now here's the good news. It's the same with God. He wins when he gets you to repeat all the things that he has called you. All the things that he has made you to be. All the things that he has claimed you to be. All the words that he wants to speak into you. And you repeat those and you become a different person. Amen? Remember what Romans 12, 2 says, and it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The Bible says, when you read it and you get through it and you know, that it says that God knows who you are. It also says Satan knows who you are. Especially if you're a child of Christ, he knows exactly who you are because you're now a prize for him. Now it's more serious to him. He don't have to do much with the folks in the world, the unsaved, the unregenerate. They're kind of doing whatever anyway. 
But when a person says yes to God and no to hell, then he begins to work because now he's got to stop that or his kingdom doesn't run as smooth as he would like it to. And so Satan knows who you are and that's why he lies to you. The creation even knows who you are. The Bible says that creation cries out in the longing for the saints. But the problem is we don't know who we are. The problem is you don't really know who you are. We said last week or the week before that Paul talked about you're just mere men or mere women. And what is he talking about? He's traveling and working with the saints and he finds out that they just can't seem to live a holy life. Not because they're not able to, but because they just don't. They just don't. Because they don't know who they are. They don't realize what they have. And by the way, the world isn't the only one today with identity crisis. The church has one too. Otherwise, we wouldn't have shut our doors in March of 2020. Otherwise, we wouldn't have said no church. Otherwise, we would have said we're not going to gather. Because we didn't know our identity. We forgot that we were children of God. Uh, I don't ever want to come from this pulpit speaking that COVID is nothing. COVID is serious business. We have folks who've been through it. There's some folks who haven't made it through it. It's very serious. But COVID is not God. Science is not God. God is the author of science. So the church has an identity issue when it lets the government begin to tell it what to do, though. There's a difference. And when the government has say over the church, then the church has now made the government their head and not Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Let's look back at Ephesians again. Look back at Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read this and camp here for a few minutes. It says, for the, by the grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's a gift, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. We are his workmanship. Do you know who you are? Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would, not could or should, but that we would walk in them. Therefore, Remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing his flesh, the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put it to death, the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. You've been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Amen? I'm sorry, I jumped into Ephesians 2. But I like it. 
Let's back up a little bit because there's some words here I do want to cover. Let's go back to Ephesians 1, starting in verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to verse 4 because it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that, he would be, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons or daughters through Jesus Christ in himself. Jesus himself said, I will not leave you as orphans. We are adopted. We have a father now. Verse 11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. And in him, you also... And this is what Dave said this morning a bit. After listening, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of the promise. Amen. Amen. Psalm 16.3 says this, as for the saints who are in the earth, if that's you, raise your hand. And if you're not a saint this morning and you're not saved, don't leave here today without being so. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. God says you are the majestic ones and you are his delight. Those are words that you need to hear, not the words from the enemy. Turn with me to 1 Peter verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 9. Says this. And we're going to just read 9 and 10. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, have forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. In fact, go down to 12. It says, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them. And let me share with you. In fact, we'll come back to this in a few minutes. But let me share with you. That's really what this is about. When we gather together, it's really about stirring each other along. It's about encouraging each other. It says, do not forsake the fellowship. Pastor Carl did a great job on that last night at the Bible study. And in Hebrews, when it talks about they're really struggling because they're living in a world that has a lot of problems. How many of you know our world has a lot of problems? But they're to encourage one another and strengthen each other. Who are you? You are chosen. God chose you. You are a royal priesthood. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellences of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I'm back on track here. You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You are holy. You're holy not by your works. You're holy because He is holy. And He makes you holy the moment He says yes. You need to walk in your holiness. You need to work out your salvation. But you are holy. You are God's own possession. And you have received mercy. Amen? Last week I mentioned three things about each of us. We're gifted. We're called. 
and we're anointed. But here's the catch. Until you know who God is, you will never know who you are. Did you hear me? Until you know who God is, you will never know who you are. Until we know who our Father is, we can never know who we are as a son or a daughter. Otherwise, you read the scripture and you say, I'm a son and I'm a daughter of what? You have to know. You have to know the Father. You have to know His heart. Until you know who God is, you will never know who you are. Until we know who our Father is, we can never know who we are as sons and daughters. Until we say no to self and yes to Him, we can never walk in our true identity. You see, there's something about orphans. When they get adopted from the orphanage, they have to go to be the son or the daughter. The church, I believe, has an issue with wanting to remain to be an orphan. We like the orphanage for some reason, even though the orphanage isn't good with us. Are you relating to what I'm saying? We like the world. In fact, we said it last night that that sometimes the church is so close to the world that people make a decision to go on into the world because really that's not a, a far leap for them anymore. The church has become so much like the world and we don't see the difference. The unsaved are as orphans, but the saints are sons and daughters. Colossians 1.13 says this, <laughs> Dave mentioned this earlier too. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. The next time that Satan tries to tell you who you are, tell him he's too late. You've already been transferred. I think this. I think the church is in trouble. I think the church is in trouble because each and every one of us are in trouble. And we're in trouble because we have an identity crisis. And even if we know who we are, we have trouble walking faithfully in who we are. We're mountaintops and valleys and mountaintops and valleys. But God's made a way. We can stay up. It's not saying you won't have hard times. It's not saying there won't be pestilence in the land. It's not saying that there won't be an enemy who comes against us, but God has made a way that we could be more than just mere men and women. I said before, He has not left us powerless. The Holy Spirit enables us to walk out this life that God has called us to. It would be ludicrous and crazy for Him to tell us and ask us to be something that we would have no power to do. It's just not true. We're no longer slaves, we are free. You're not a slave to sin. You might still sin. You might have a desire to sin. You might even want to choose to sin. But you don't have to. Amen. We're sons and daughters. Paul says that all things were created by him. We are the sons and daughters to the creator of the universe. The next time the enemy wants to tell you who you are, you can share that with him. You can say, no, sir, mister. My father runs the universe. My father owns it all. And I'm his son. And I'm sealed as his son by the sign of the Holy Spirit. You are not an orphan. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, somebody finish it. 
These are the sons and daughters of God. So you say, Tim, I struggle with identity sometimes. I struggle with what to do. I'm not sure. Well, you're in good company. I struggle. I struggle with identity. Somebody said, hey, what, you're, you're, you're going to be in the pulpit there at Union Street? I'm telling you, the enemy will work hard on that. He doesn't want anything good coming out of us. So you might say, Tim, what do I do? How do I, how do I fix this? Well, I'm glad you asked. And again, not that I've obtained it, but I know the answers. We just got to start walking out the answers. First, you got to stop listening to liars. I listed them earlier. Satan is a liar. The media is a liar. Sometimes your friends are liars. They don't mean to be. I'm not saying that in a hard way. But it's just true. They don't understand. They don't know. And they'll tell you what you can't do. Are you kidding me? My father is a king. Then you need to stop listening to Satan and others. And, and, you, and you need to stop listening to those bad voices in your head. We all have them. The record spins and it runs and it plays and it tells us what we aren't or what we should have been or what we could have done or who we should have done or we shouldn't have hurt a person that way or we shouldn't have sinned in that way. We all have it. And the voices just come and come and come. And it happens. So stop listening to them. Stop listening to the media, all media. Really, do yourself a favor. Turn it off. Turn to Daniel 6. In verse 10. Let's look at Daniel 6 in verse 10. So number one, you need to stop listening to the liars. Number two, you need to start listening to God. If you're listening now, then listen more. The very first sermon that we preached here was about God's house is a house of prayer. Yes, that's this building. It's okay. But we, you, are the temple. Your house is the house of prayer. It starts there. Daniel 6 in verse 10. Let's read 10 through. And this is lengthy too, but we're going to read it this morning. It's important. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew the document was signed, and they're talking about, by the way, that they decided to go to the king Darius and tell him that he was the greatest and that no one else should pray to any other gods and et cetera, et cetera. And Daniel, and they, it was a trap for Daniel because they didn't like Daniel because Daniel was a man of God in a very, very sinful place. And it says, now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. By the way, when we see the signed document that says, you got to close the church... Because the government says so. Same thing. Right here. He entered his house. Now in the roof chamber, he had his windows open toward Jerusalem and continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks. What was he doing? Before his God, as he had been doing previously. So he didn't just wake up after this decree and start praying. I loved it. Some of the word that Frank had over at the tent meeting was that the folks who, who continued to preach the word through 2020, they're the ones who need the platforms in 2021. The people who shut their churches, they lost that opportunity. 
But he was doing it previously. Verse 11. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? And the king replied, the statement is true. We all know this story. The statement is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, which is a lie, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Let me stop there at verse 14 and let me share this with you. The world hates Christ and they hate you. But listen, if you're a godly person, there's even people in the world who are drawn to you and they don't understand. King Darius was rooting for Daniel. He did not want this to happen. And he set his mind to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Verse 16, Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his, and his sleep fled from him. And the king arose at dawn and at break of day and went in the haste to the lion's den. And when he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, the servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because why? He had trusted in his God. And the king gave orders and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, those liars, and they cast them their children and their wives into the lion's den and had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, may your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who was also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And so what am I saying? That he prayed and gave thanks. He was prepared. He was ready. He knew his identity. No one was going to take that from him. No government, no liars, no peers who didn't like him, no opinion from others. And he believed in the Lord. And here's what's crazy. Even the ungodly will begin to proclaim God when they see that we have a resolve to our God. 
and that we trust our God. And the stories are countless in the Bible, and you know them all. That's not the point. The point is, is that he knew God would rescue him one way or the other. We have to get fear out of our lives. I, I contend even when he enters, I know it was the work of God and angels. So don't let anything come from this pulpit. This is Tim now. Okay, not God talking. I'm saying Tim. I propose because he was so calm and relaxed that the lions didn't even care about him because he just trusted God. Some of you need to start relaxing. Some of you need to be calm in your walk. Some of you need to walk in this, in this world that we live in that's kind of upside down and crazy. Some of you need to walk calmly and peacefully and trust God. You say, well, I'm praying, but I still don't know who I am. Well, then you're not listening. And that's what Dave said as well. I thought it was pretty cool. You got to get before God, and you got to get still, and you got to get quiet, and you got to listen, and you got to don't talk. Sometimes I have a problem of talking too much. I'll come home and tell Pam a story, probably with Pastor Bill. Hey, blah, 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 blah. And she'll say, well, what did he say? And I say, I don't know. She said, because you were talking the whole time, weren't you? <laughs> yes, pretty much. And that's what we do with God. We get down and we think prayer, we have, we have got it wrong. We think prayer is this, yes, there's petitions and there's supplication and there's things we do. There's no doubt about it. He says you have not because you ask not. Okay, not taking that away. But then we get up and walk out. We don't be still. We don't listen. If you're not hearing from God, it's because you're not listening. It's that simple. Yes, does he go quiet at times, but he'll even give you a piece about that to stay committed, stay firm. I'm not giving you an answer yet, but I will. Listen. And when you pray, practice listening. So we said, first, stop listening to liars. Second, start listening to God. And third, the Bible says to be obedient to what you know. There's something about the obedience that God can begin to work in. He can never work in disobedience. I don't say he can never because he can do anything. But he doesn't work in disobedience. That's not who he is. He works in your obedience. When you're walking in his ways, in his statutes, that's when the blessings come. You say, well, I don't know much. That's okay. Be obedient to what you do know. You know enough. If you said yes to Jesus, you know enough. Some of you aren't getting more light because you aren't handling the light that you do have. Some of you aren't hearing more because you're not listening to what he's already said. Some of you have ministries that have been dormant in your heart for ages. Am I lying? God spoke. He said, do it. Trust me. Go. And you said, well, I'm not real sure. No. Walk in your identity. You're a son. You're a daughter. Be obedient to what you know. Now, I said we'd come back to it. Let's close with this. How about 2 Peter 1? Turn to 2 Peter 1. I'm going to read 1 through 15 and get you out of here. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout those places according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Do you hear that? 
by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. You know, the world, the, the church actually wanted to stop using the phrase, let's not, let's not say born again. Jesus himself says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. There's something to the words. Because it makes you think, what do you mean born again? I'm already born, as Nicodemus says. No, no, you must be born again. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's okay to be born again. This is not... I understand the church may have somewhat adulterated that word into something it shouldn't have been, but we are born again. Okay, 2 Peter 1, verses 1 through 15, and I'll close with this. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers to the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. There's your identity. You're a partaker of the divine nature. Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours, and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, have forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and his choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the Internal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present in you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent as also, Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. God has made a way for us to call the scriptures to mind. It says the Holy Spirit will remind us. Peter is confirming it here. Peter's job is to stir you up. We are to stir one another up. I'm hoping to stir you up this morning. I pray that God will grace that and that you will still hear his word for you this morning. It's God's word and not mine. What's he saying to you? What's he preparing you for? What has he called you to that you've not been obedient to? How long will you kick the can down the road? Is he speaking to you? If he is, it's by his word, the Bible, or by his word, the good news that you hear, or by his word, the Holy Spirit. 
I hope today that the message to you is that Satan is a liar and God is not. And that God wants you to hear him and him alone. And in order to do that, we have to listen. And when we listen to him and we know who he is, then we can gain an identity that will carry us through the lion's den, just like Daniel. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, your word is so good. I get so excited about it when we read it, Lord. Lord, may we all be students of this word, of your word, the Bible. But Lord, may we know the God of this word more even than we know the word. And so, Lord, would you speak to our hearts this morning that you will draw us near and we will draw near to you, Lord, and that we will come close and we will sit before you and we will listen for instructions on what you have for our life. And Lord, that we quit blaming others and even ourselves, Lord God, when we begin to do things our way and we don't listen. God, speak to us this morning that we might hear you and listen. This, this little ministry, this little church, Lord God, needs people who will listen to you so that we get it right. As God, speak to everyone here. I ask them, ask you to help them understand their, their true identity. That when they walk out the door today, they will say no to Satan and his lies. And they will say yes to you and your word and your truth. And that we will get quiet before you, Lord God. And that we will be a people who are a praying people, Lord. Bless us this morning. Bless us as we go. Lord, we have a week ahead of us, Lord God, that uh, we don't even know what's coming. But Lord, we want to have the faith like Daniel to know who we are in it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen, amen. We'll fellowship with one another, bless each other before you go, and we hope to see you next week. Amen? Amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street, in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.